Preaching through 1 Kings can be a little bit funny for me. Uh, did I tell you all I was really intimidated to start preaching on Kings early on? So now all of a sudden I've got uh, passages that are really long that I preach sometimes, and then today we've got two verses. We're just, we're just doing two verses today. 1 Kings eight thirty one and 32. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. If a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath, and he comes and takes an oath before your altar in this house, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked by bringing his way on his own head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So if you remember where we are, we are, lis- we are uh, listening to Solomon. And this is part of his prayer. This is at the dedication of the temple. So we've seen the temple be built. We've seen the grandeur of the temple. We've seen the beauty of the temple. And we've seen the people gather together and making sacrifices. And we've seen God enter into the temple and his presence made known to them through the holy cloud that prevented them from continuing the work of sacrificing. Now, as Solomon, as Solomon prays, here in verse 31 we hit this, if a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath. We've got to make sure we understand what in the world Solomon is talking about. Because he goes on and then he says, a lot of if this happens, then will you do this, God? And if this happens, then please, God, do that. This is the repetitive theme of the coming <clears throat> verses. And we see that here, verse 31, if a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this house, verse 32, then here's what I want you to do, God. This is, this is Solomon's prayer. Please... Hear in heaven and act and judge your servants. So this follows a theme that we're going to see next week as well. If a man sins against his neighbor, then hear in heaven. This if then. But what, in the, what exactly does it mean when it says, if a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath? Well, the context here is there's conflict between two men. Two brothers in God's family, the people of Israel, which is what we just heard about in the children's sermon, right? If brothers are fighting, that's the context that we have here. There's two men among Israel, brothers, Because remember, Israel is 
all of the sons of Abraham, right? They're all brothers. If we go back to <clears throat> Exodus 22, verses 10 and 11, shed some light on what exactly Solomon is talking about. It says, if a man gives his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep for him, and it dies, or is hurt, or is driven away while no one is looking. Okay, now, does anybody know what uh, one Angus cow is worth today? Anybody? Or are we just... Not farmers. No farmers. Okay. No. What's that? It depends. Yes, it depends. How old are we talking? How much does it weigh? Is it healthy? Is it ready for slaughter? Has it been finished? Okay. <clears throat> Costs a lot of money to buy meat today, doesn't it? So the more m meat costs go up, the more a cow is worth, right? Meat prices are not nearly as high today as they were back in Solomon's time. <laughs> Meat was quite rare and is quite rare still in many places of the world. So when you talk about somebody giving an ox to his neighbor, or a donkey, or a sheep. These were valuable things. Uh, a donkey might be like, yeah, you can borrow my minivan. And an ox might be, sure, uh, yeah, my shop is at your disposal. Or, I see we're not farmers, but I mean, do you guys know how much a John Deere costs? They start at about $250,000. And they go up well above a million. So an ox was how you plowed. Yeah, you can borrow my John Deere. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, you can borrow my John Deere. Hey, uh, Fred, you know, I was, I came and I got the tractor and I don't know where it went. It's gone. What do you mean it's gone? It's gone. I I parked it in the field. I, I was halfway done and finishing the next morning. I came out and it was gone. You stole it. Conflict, right? No, I didn't. I didn't steal. I. It just disappeared. Like an alien came and took it, huh? Right. <clears throat> I 
you know, you gave me the key to your shop. And I was working on my project in there and uh, came back the next morning and all the tools were gone. I came out of Kohl's and the front of your minivan was destroyed. Smashed. What? It looks like it was going 55 miles an hour. It doesn't just smash when it's parked in Cole's parking lot. Did you lock the shop? None of you kids have minivans, right? Hope not. How about... Uh, How about a pack of gum? Do any of you have a pack of gum? There we go. I got some fingers. Yes, you got a pack of gum. You're chewing gum. <laughs> Did you ever uh, tell your brother he could get a piece of gum? And then you come back and the whole pack is gone? Would that make you mad? If a man gives his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep for him, and it dies or is hurt or is driven away while no one is looking, an oath before the Lord shall be made by the two of them that he has not laid hands on his neighbor's property, and its owner shall accept it, and he shall not make restitution. Okay, so, uh, the Old Testament law that the people of God have been given lays out the process for how conflicts between people are supposed to be handled. If you steal a sheep from your neighbor, do you know what you're supposed to do? If you're caught, you have to pay it back, right? Pay it back and more, right? So here in this case, the question is, what happened? Was it theft? Where did the sheep go? Who stole the sheep? The guy who had charge of it wasn't the owner. And now it's gone. Did they just have a nice feast as a family? Decide to keep it quiet? Free feast. Three days long. Lots of meat. We were hungry. Did they get to the town next door and sell it where nobody would know that it wasn't theirs? We don't know, right? So, Here's a case where the guy says, I know I was in charge of it, but I didn't steal it. How are you ever going to know? You're not going to know, right? And the law says here, 
Exodus 22. How to handle this is not that he has to repay it and more, but rather that he will take an oath. They will go and take an oath before the Lord. And he will promise he's not laid hands on his neighbor's property. And then the owner shall, not ought, shall accept it. And he shall not make restitution. The guy who had borrowed it, right? Kind of a bum deal if you were the owner. But justice. It is just, isn't it? Now, the law lays out all kinds of other things, cases of negligence and cases of theft and, and so forth. So it's, it's not like this is the only law that we have, but it's an important one, and it's the context in which we need to understand the verses that we read in 1 Kings. If, your neighbor, if a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath. But you notice it says sins against. If you borrow and then lose something of your brother's, he certainly feels sinned against, doesn't he? Here's the conflict. I want it back. You owe it to me. Well, we know how that process is supposed to be handled. There's an oath taken. Solomon is in the process of dedicating the temple and they're dealing with what happens <clears throat> in prayer in relation to the fact that God now dwells in this temple. And so, to swear before the altar was to swear before God, just as was commanded in Exodus 22. Because God was present there, as we've already seen. Solomon prayed for wisdom to judge God's people. You remember that? Now here he is, and he's pointing to God and he's saying, God is the true judge. God is the true judge. And he's reminding us, he's reminding the people that there is a judge watching. That's why we used to vow on the Bible in court. Raise your right hand, place your left hand on the Bible, repeat after me. Do you swallow? What is it? Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you, God. Apparently, that still happens in South Carolina. There's a Bible. I don't think anywhere else, as far as I could quickly scanning on 
on the internet's find. It's optional there too. There's a judge watching. God is watching. The Bible, putting your hand on the Bible is meant to remind you of that. There is a judge watching. A judge who knows what actually happened. And that's the whole question when you're dealing with conflict between neighbors and it's just one man's word, right? God is a true judge. Now, how often do you think men took advantage of the fact that you could borrow something and then if something happened to it, you could just swear? You think that ever happened? Oh, I guarantee it happened. Do your parents spank you when the whole pack of gum goes missing and you were the last one in there? Probably not. Not generally, right? Because why? Well, you say I only took one piece and nobody knows where it went after that. The rest of the packs, just nobody knows. But God knows. God knows if you're lying. God knows if you took it, right? But it's tempting to think we can just get away with it. We can just get away with it because we're the only ones who are there. We know we won't get caught. You know you won't get caught. You can look around. You can see there's nobody here to know. I can do whatever. Who took the cookie from the cookie jar? Who, me? Yeah, you. You were the one who was in there. It wasn't me. Couldn't be. I mean, that's, that's where the rhyme comes from, right? Like the, 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 this is the whole question. Nobody knows. Nobody was there. Only one person was there. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe ants came, one crumb at a time, a whole colony, cookies gone. Maybe it was a, a, a cat that came in the window and peed in the bed. It wasn't me. Sometimes our lies get more ridiculous, right? But we think we can get away with them. Solomon says to God, hear. Hear the prayers. Hear the vows. Hear when you're in heaven and act and judge your servants. Is that what you want to pray to God? Judge. God, judge. You only want to pray that God will judge when you are innocent. Right? 
only when you are innocent would you ever in your wildest dreams think about praying that God would judge. You are innocent and you're the one who is harmed. Otherwise, you don't even care whether God judges because you didn't lose anything. But if you lost something, then all of a sudden you care. Here in heaven. Now, one of the things that we can lose is our good name. And I want you to realize that the flip case is also a temptation. When you told your brother that he could have a piece of gum and he goes in and he says, I couldn't find it. I didn't even get one piece. I didn't take the whole pack. You stole it. And you go around and you tell everybody, my brother steals from me. You know what you're doing? You're stealing your brother's good name. If he didn't do it, you are stealing. And that's the thing. It's one of these conflicts. Both sides are at odds. They're, they're fighting with one another. Solomon says, that's why we've got this, that's why we've got this system. Oh God, hear and judge. Now, you take an oath because <clears throat> that's the way that it's ended, right? We're going to solve this problem. We're going to do, put an end to the conflict by both simply saying, okay, this is done before God. I didn't take it. Okay. May God judge. They're both involved in that process, right? Because then it's, there's no restitution to be made. It's no longer badgering your, your neighbor for repayment. It's no longer dragging his name through the mud saying, yeah, well, you shouldn't let him borrow things. Borrow. He borrows like people borrow french fries. Now, <clears throat> you make that vow and you walk away and the immediate temptation is you want a way out, right? You want to be able to talk about your brother still. <laughs> ah, I don't really want it to be solved because I'm still missing what I wanted. I still want what I had. Or you called down God's wrath on yourself because you were guilty and you did take it. And you just, you know, it would be really nice if there was a way to not actually have called down God's wrath on yourself. Right? Have you ever made a promise and then not kept it? And wanted to say, no, no, I, I never made that promise. I was in fifth grade, I think. <clears throat> when I said that I would give $20, 
I had never seen $20 in my life in fifth grade. I would give $20 to somebody who could make a smaller cootie catcher than I had made. It was like, it was like this big. You can't make one smaller than that. But Jason did. Did I give him $20? No. I never said that. And then I cried, because I knew I had said it. Everybody else knew I'd said it too. Now, we have systems in place to get ourselves out of vows, don't we? I had my fingers crossed behind my back. Or, <clears throat> let's see, what are all of the, uh, what are all of the tricks about when, when a promise is, oh, it wasn't a pinky promise, right? Um, what makes a promise stick today? I don't know what they are, what the things are that you have to say. You know, like I didn't say the full incantation, right? I stopped saying it halfway through and just mouthed it. You guys. You know we, we all want a way that we can have our cake and eat it too. We want to make, be able to make the promise and get off the hook for what we owe, right? But without bringing down condemnation on ourselves, without tearing down our own good name, our own character, and burning it, and without having God actually judge us in the end. And so, here Solomon is, and he's saying, God, here in heaven, and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked by bringing his way on his own head. And so what happens if his way is brought on his own head? Well, one of the ways that happens is you begin to lose your possessions. Right? Or you, you begin to have your name dragged through the mud. Or ultimately, for God to bring our way on our own heads when we are wicked is death. We see that in the Psalms all the time. May they be caught in their own trap. and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. And so you lost your ox, but you gained God's blessing. Where does the, where does the scale fall? You know, ox, God's blessing.
It's way, way more, isn't it? To receive God's blessing out of the deal. But in Matthew 23, we read that the Pharisees were just like us. Jesus condemns them, saying, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men. Which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. We got our ways, don't we? We've always got our ways. I didn't sign my name at the bottom. I just printed it at the top. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. That's what Solomon was talking about, right? God is dwelling here. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. It all comes down to the judge, doesn't it? Jesus is saying, you guys, God is judge. When you speak, when you vow, he will judge, just as Solomon prayed. We're to be like Solomon. We're to be praying that God would truly judge. And then, we are to entrust justice and vengeance to him. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You don't take it yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. That's why vengeance is mine. I will repay is totally different from what we want. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Oh, God is the true judge. So your neighbor says, no, no, I, it it disappeared. I lost it. Somebody stole it. You think it's your duty to figure out whether they're lying or telling the truth. Because the worst possible thing in the world that could happen to you is that you'd be duped. Not even the loss, right? Yeah, insurance is going to cover the minivan. But was he telling the truth? I need to judge. I need to make sure that I get justice. No. When the two make an oath before God, 
That's the end of it. And it doesn't matter whether the other guy was lying or not, except for God to take care of it. We let God take care of it. Well, if we entrust our vengeance to God, our justification to Him, somebody's taking your name through the mud, it doesn't mean that there's suddenly no conflict, does it? There is still conflict. And you know, the weird thing is, the, the interesting thing is, people still have to judge. When, when you're the neighbor on the other side, you actually have to decide whether you trust that person when he comes and wants to borrow your cow, don't you? It's an amazing thing. The Apostle Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge the angels? How much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? Who are you going to let judge you? People who aren't even Christians? When there's conflict between you and your brother? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren? But brother goes to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. Actually then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. You've already lost. You go to court, you've already lost. It doesn't matter which way the judge goes. You're already defeated. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren. So he's saying both sides of this prayer of Solomon are, are being fought against within the church just after Jesus is gone. We're already seeing it. What a sad, sad state that we defraud one another, we lie to one another, just terrible. And then that the other one would take the first one to court. Both lost already. Better to be defrauded. Better to be duped. 
I was talking to Pastor McNeely about this passage, and he said he thinks that today in the evangelical church, we maybe think that being duped is the greatest sin. Isn't this why we hate the CDC so much? We think that we've been duped by them? Won't be fooled again, right? Being duped is not the greatest sin. Why not rather be defrauded? Well, I want to return to my story of being in, still can't decide whether it was fifth or sixth grade. I had never made a vow before God. I had never even said, I promise, right? I had simply said, I would. And in one sense, that is lighter than if I had vowed before the Lord. It's a big difference, right? When do we vow before the Lord today? No longer in court. What was that? Marriage? Anywhere else? Is, is there anywhere else? What's that? Membership. Membership, yeah. There's not a whole lot of places, are there? And yet, What you say matters, doesn't it? Even if you're not vowing before the Lord. I was still wrong not to give him $20, wasn't I? We are to let our yes be yes and our no be no. Now kids, it takes a lot of work to figure out how to live in a world that allows teasing and doesn't allow lying. It takes a lot of work to understand the difference between teasing and lying, doesn't it? But I want to read you this proverb, two proverbs, 26, 18, and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, Was I not joking? I was just JKing you. Just a just, just a joke, just teasing. You're not to let <clears throat> your teasing turn into lying. Okay? The Bible recognizes that there's a difference between the two right here. Was I, was I not joking? 
There is a difference between a joke and a lie. But you need to be very careful not to joke in a way that allows you to actually lie. And so what I want you to realize is that although we only take vows, church membership, marriage, can't really think of any other place, your word is given over and over and over and over again. When you file your taxes, you give your word. When you tell your brother whether mom truly did say that he had to clean up his room or that he would get cake or any number of other things, right? And there's that, no, no, you're teasing me. No, no, I'm telling the truth. No, I promise. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Man judges the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Though your brother may never know whether you are actually joking or whether you are actually lying, God knows. And we can live our whole life taking vows before the Lord. We can, take, we can live our whole life thinking, I can get away with this. I've gotten away with it time and time and time again. But in the end, God will judge rightly. Solomon prays to God, hear in heaven and act and judge your servants. When you say yes, when you say no, let it be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are tempted to lie day in and day out. We think that it'll get us out of trouble. We think that it'll protect us. Sometimes we think it'll protect others. Sometimes we think that it will <clears throat> keep other people from having their feelings hurt. Mostly, Father, we just want to keep from suffering the consequences of our sins, our failures, the things that we have promised and not wanted to actually keep. Father, help us to be people whose word is held in high esteem because we keep our word. And Father, we do pray that you will hear what we say and that you will judge. And we leave all vengeance 
to you for those who have wronged us, those who have duped us, and those who have stolen from us. Most especially, Father, those who have stolen our good name by lying about us. Father, we pray that you would bring your wrath down on their heads, but that you would reward the righteous. We pray in Christ's name, amen.